Big Ten Huddle. I am your host, JR, and we have another excellent episode. We are going to be talking through some awesome things today about the Big Ten. It's a mid midweek episode, so we're not going to do any game previews or anything like that, but we are going to talk about some news and some teams that are going on right now in the Big Ten. I have with me today Jay Book from 24-7 Buck Nuts. He is a contributor over there. He's on once a week. Jay Book, how you doing today? Doing well. And yourself? I'm doing great. Hey, you want to go ahead and just plug your social media and your show to the people real fast? Yeah, I'm, I'm at jbook37 on Twitter. Uh, give me a follow there. I'm on Bucknuts every Friday morning with Dave Biddle. Uh, we usually do a Bucknuts morning five. We call it a five-minute podcast. That's how it originally started, but it's kind of morphed into a 30-minute, 35-minute every Friday podcast. Well, that's how we kind of started, too. We were at like 10, 15 minutes, and then we just had so much content. I was like, you know what? 30 minutes sounds better. So (laughs) (laughs) we kind of did the same thing there. Uh, And we got Spartan Dog with us today. Spartan Dog, your second time on the show. How are you doing today? Yeah, thanks for having me back, JR. I appreciate it. I'm happy happy to come back on and chop it up. For sure. You want to remind people where they can find you at? Yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter at SpartanDog97 uh, show. You can find me at BaconWire. I live tweet every game. Um, You know, if you just want to, if you want to peek inside my mind, I will not pay for your therapy bills if you (laughs) read my my tweets during the game, but you're more than welcome to give me a follow there. Uh, We post every Thursday, BaconWire, wherever you can find podcasts. Excellent. All right. Well, hey, thanks so much to these guys for coming on. We're going to have a great show. If you people don't know, we are a part of the Big Banter Sports Network, BigBanterSports.com. We talk everything Big Ten. We have all football podcasts going for this year. We're working on basketball for everybody. That will be up soon. But for now, this year, we are your one-stop destination for all things Big Ten football. Please remember to like and subscribe to the show, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube, wherever you're at, please like, subscribe, give us a rating. We appreciate it. We post an episode every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday morning. Today, we are going to get into the Ohio State QB plan. Jonah here is uh, an expert, as much as you can be an expert in that whole plan. So (laughs) he's going to give us his insight there. We're going to be evaluating some of the Big Ten teams that are ranked in the AP poll and some of the ones the AP poll might have missed. And then we are also going to get to some of the biggest storylines in the Big Ten that happened in week one. We're going to talk about which ones are most impactful for the end of the season and that we should be paying attention to right now. Now, so let's just go ahead and get into it. Our first thing on the docket is what is Ohio State's plan for QB? Now, if you've not been following this saga and it's been ongoing for Ohio State fans all offseason long, Kyle McCord did start the IU game. Ryan Day said that Devin Brown would also be featured in the game. However, Devin Brown only got one drive in the middle of the game. Now, he got another drive later on in the game, but that was kind of like mop-up duty, garbage time, and Kyle McCord... I don't want to say he was bad, uh, but for, you know, an Ohio State QB, it wasn't what the fans expected. 20 for 33, 239 yards, no TDs, and a pick. And so Ohio State fans are a little upset about it. They're calling for Devin Brown a little bit, and it's kind of interesting, this whole situation. So, Jay Book, you tell me, are Ohio State fans' offensive struggles due to the QB? Is there something else? Do they need to switch to Devin Brown? Your thoughts. Yeah, first and foremost, right now, if you're to listen to Ryan Day, he'll have your head spinning because he'll say one thing in the press conference, and then once the, the game kicks off, it's a totally different game plan. Right now, and I would say this is Kyle McCord's team. Day really hasn't came out and fully given him 
the nod and say, hey, this is your football team. I truly believe action speaks louder than words. When you see Kyle McCord uh, get 97, 98% of the snaps when this is supposed to have been a true quarterback battle, that right there kind of tells you how Ryan Day feels as far as trusting uh, Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. The performance was not up to Ohio State's typical standard when you look at the elite quarterback play. To me, I don't think it was as bad as people are making it out to be. Um, but it definitely left a lot to be desired. Will he get better? Absolutely. He's going to take a lot of, he's going to get a lot of reps. He's going to get a lot better. I do think that Ryan Day did uh, do a disservice to him because there were five, six games when Ohio State was up 30 points going into the fourth quarter, and he still had CJ Stroud in, in there chasing stats. That was a perfect opportunity, in my opinion, to get a guy like Kyle McCord in there to get his feet wet so that the game is not moving as fast as what it looked like this past Saturday against Indiana. Now, you fast forward to Youngstown State coming into town. They have two games that they should absolutely put up 50-plus points a game. I do believe you're going to see both quarterbacks, um, but you have to make a definitive decision as they head to South Bend for that key matchup. I do believe it's going to be Kyle McCord, but they have to find a way to get Devin Brown in. During that Indiana game, I would say probably the third quarter right before Kyle threw that interception, I thought that was the most opportune time for Devin Brown to get in there. Dave said it was more of a gut feeling uh, on why he didn't rotate those guys in, but I think he did a disservice to, to both guys not giving Devin Brown that look. Because here's the thing about the Ohio State quarterback battle. We were told all through camp, they were splitting reps, 50-50. If Kyle's going to be your guy and you feel that he's going to be your guy, well, you wasted a significant amount of snaps that he could have been taking during that training camp to get his comfort level with that offensive line, to get that comfort level with the wide receivers. Because if you look at the timing, I think that played a key part in why Emeka Abukin and Marvin Harrison Jr. only had 32 yards receiving. So right now, I just think that, yes, Kyle's going to be the guy going forward. Um, I do think that they're going to try to find a way to get Devin Brown in, the, in these next two games. But when push comes to shove, I think Kyle's going to be his guy once they head to Notre Dame um, in about three weeks. Super interesting. Yeah, this whole saga has been unfolding, and that's a lot of great information there, John. We appreciate you sharing that. Spartan Dog, from your Michigan State perspective, what's what's your whole feel, your whole vibe on this whole situation? What are you thinking? So Michigan State also had a quarterback battle and recently, and looking back on it now that, that it's pretty much over and, and the dust is settled, I think I think that letting this drag out any further, I think is um is gonna be detrimental to whoever the whoever QB one is gonna end up being, right? Um we learned recently that Mel Tucker told Noah Kim ten days before the central game, you're the guy. So he had ten days of knowing that he's the guy. I don't know if Ryan Days made a similar proclamation, but I you know, again, I made this point earlier. Uh, coaches know coaches know pretty quickly who they want to start. So instead of just like trying to placate fans or a certain section of the booster class or a player, uh, especially in the transfer portal era where they can just leave so quickly, 
it really does you no good. You just kind of have to rip the Band-Aid off and, and get going because you're going to you're gonna hurt both guys long-term if you're dragging this all the way out a month into the season. It's, you know, if uh, I, I'll defer to Jonah. If Kyle McCord is the guy, then Kyle McCord is the guy. You got to give him – you just – you got to let him get all the reps. And, you know, Devin Brown can – can play mop up duty and against Youngstown state. And we'll see, we'll go from there. And I think you touch, you touch home when you said just rip the bandaid off. That's that exactly what I was telling other people today. Just rip it off. If he's your guy, tell him he's your guy. It's kind of, he's trying to play both sides of the fence. He doesn't want to upset uh, Devin. But at the same time, he feels probably most comfortable with Kyle. And I would say that to be true because if he really trusted Devin, he would have got Devin into that game to get a, a, a fair evaluation. There was no way Indiana was going to beat Ohio State. As bad as the offense looked, they struggled to even move the football. I think they were three for 15 on third down, 153 yards, 82 yards passing Indiana. So they, they were not a threat to score. So if you've got Devin Brown in there, got a fair evaluation, then we can all kind of sit back and say, okay, this is what we saw. He made some clutch throws. He, he was able to move the offense. You didn't see any of that. Now, you're going to see him in these next two games, but what's the question that everyone's going to say or ask? Well, he did that against Youngstown State. Uh, he did that against Western Kentucky. Will he be able to do that against Notre Dame? We don't know. So I just feel like the sooner that he can actually declare this is my guy, then you can give that quarterback the confidence to really be that vocal leader. Because right now, if, if a guy's looking over his shoulder, doesn't know if he's going to be the man or not, it's very hard to lead a football team because you're going to need top-notch quarter play, quarterback play to get through this league. For sure, yeah. And that was actually my next question is, does Ohio State need the top-tier QB to win the Big Ten? Now, you know, last year some people had their thoughts about J.J. McCarthy. And, right, you know, J.J. McCarthy was not the downfield thrower that a C.J. Stroud or, you know, other quarterbacks. I don't even think there were any other major quarterbacks that were big. Uh, to Aliyah Talagavailoa, he, he's a downfield thrower. But even last year he, he dealt with some injuries, so it wasn't nearly as much. I mean, do we think that Ohio State can win the Big Ten with – subpar, maybe mediocre, in their terms, quarterback play. Jay Book, what do you think? I don't think so. Um, I think the Big Ten East is, is arguably the best division in all of college football. Um, any, any one of those teams in that division can give you a game on their best day. You're not going to go up to Ann Arbor in November with subpar quarterback play and think you're going to get out of there with a victory. Penn State is absolutely loaded on both sides of the football Drew Allen looked like he's going to be a potential first-round quarterback. You cannot go into those big-time games, which will probably be top-five matchups with sub subpar play. Because here's the thing about the difference between Michigan and Ohio State. Michigan was able to get away with J.J. being subpar at certain moments. And the reason why is because their run game was so dominant. If they needed to rely on that big offensive line and Blake Corum and those guys, they were able to do it. Ohio State rushing attack is not where Michigan's at. They're, they're trying to get there. They're working to try to establish that line of scrimmage. I mean, you have Chip Trainer who averaged over seven yards of pop against Indiana. But you look, you look at um, Mayan Williams and Trevion Henderson, they were still held under four yards of pop against the Indiana team that if you look at the talent gap, Ohio State should have been, been 
been able to run the football at will. So, yes, they're going to need to be able to get that quarterback play high because the way that the offense is structured at Ohio State, they are built to spread teams out, get the ball to those elite wide receivers, put the pressure on you, and then kind of ice the game with the rushing attack. So if, if you're talking about a team that's going to start creeping up the safeties and you can't have, you don't have a quarterback that's going to be able to make them pay for it, that's bad news for Ohio State's offense. For sure, yeah. In Ohio State, they seem to be going through a little bit of an identity crisis with their whole offense right now because I think for the first time ever in the Ryan Day era, I consistently saw a fullback in the backfield. <laughs> And I thought yeah. to myself, whoa, what is going on here? You know, did Mitch Rossi come back? And it's, no, <laughs> this is just another running back we have back here. Uh, yeah. And so it is a very interesting situation. And, you know, Kyle McCord, Devin Brown, whoever it is, they're going to have a hard time being up near the top because I tell you, even though it was against East Carolina, uh, J.J. McCarthy looked really, really good on Saturday. And Drew Aller, even though it was against West Virginia, and West Virginia's not the best Power 5 team, but they are a Power 5 team, he made some throws that just honestly dropped my jaw a little bit. I thought to myself, wow, this is a first-time starter. I know he played last year, but this is a first-time starter making this throw in this moment. Just, just was astounding to me. So, yeah, Ohio State's quarterbacks, they don't have much time to get it right. They need to get it right, and hopefully against Youngstown State and Western Kentucky, we'll see a little bit more of bright spots, I guess unless you're a Michigan or a Penn State fan. And then in that case, I hope you probably think that you hope <laughs> they uh, don't have those bright spots. So, all right, moving on from there, we are going to get to our next subject. Our next subject is evaluating the Big Ten ranks in the AP poll. Now, if you haven't seen the AP poll came out uh, on Tuesday morning because, of course, we had games on on uh, Monday and everything else. But our Big Ten teams in the AP poll, Michigan stays put at number two. Ohio State actually drops two spots to number five. Penn State stays put at number seven. And I think the only one left was, yes, Wisconsin stays put at number 19. That means Iowa has dropped out. Clemson has stayed in at number 25. Uh, other Big Ten teams receiving votes were Iowa, uh, Minnesota received three, and I think oh Illinois received one. So that's all we had from the Big Ten in the poll and receiving votes. Uh, Spartan Dog, we'll start with you. Should there be more Big Ten teams in this? Do you agree? Do you disagree? What are your thoughts? Uh, I, I don't think so. I think the voters mostly got this got this ranking correct. You know, I I don't know if Ohio State really deserve to drop two spots um, for their performance, you know, but I just think um, that they were a victim of teams that jumped them just being so much more impressive uh, in their performances versus Ohio state. They just, they had no choice. They had to move Ohio state down. Um, I like where everyone else is at. I don't really think any other team earned, um, earned a ranking uh, from their performance this week. Um, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens this week. You know, Nebraska goes on the road for a ranked matchup now. Uh, and, you know, outside of that, everyone else is kind of, it's still cupcake season over here in Big Ten country. So, you know, we're, it's hard to learn about these teams from, from, what, from what's happening, you know, from who they're playing. So I – other than Ohio State maybe being penalized a little too much, I, I don't really have a problem. 
Right, and that's so hard to judge because Florida State really did have a spectacular win over LSU. You know, whether LSU is actually that good or not, and they might not be. You know, we saw it happen with Notre Dame last year. They, you know, lost to Ohio State and then went out to lose to Marshall. Um, you know, that still was a really impressive win, uh, just it being an SEC team and one of the better ones that we perceive in that conference. Uh, Jonah, what are your thoughts here? I agree. Uh, when it comes to Ohio State, not shocked that they slid back a little bit. It was, you know, kind of expected, especially with the performance. And like you mentioned, teams really elevated their game. Right now, it's so early on in the season. I don't think Ohio State fans are really caring about the polls. It's all about can you build. Jim Trestle's motto when he was at Ohio, at Ohio State is you need to be playing your best football once November comes around. So for Ohio State, when you have so many moving parts, especially on the offense, you're going to have a lot of hiccups. The defense seems to be a little bit uh, ahead of the offense. So right now, the focus for them is continue to build. So once you start to hit that home stretch, late October, November, then you're starting to play some of your best football. As long as you're winning, you'll be in the contention to be in that playoff hunt, Big Ten championship hunt. Uh, you know, if you get an Illinois team this week, I believe they head to Kansas. If they can get that win, I thought Toledo, they're probably going to be in a running to win the MAC. If Illinois can get that win at a, a Kansas team that's going to put up some points, they should probably get a look into the top 25. But as he mentioned right now, they're playing, the Big Ten is playing against a lot of cupcakes. So you really don't get a feel for how good some of these teams are. When you look at Minnesota and Nebraska, I mean, a heck of a defensive battle left a lot to be desired on offense. Iowa, they they came out on fire those first couple series, put up 14, kind of took the, the foot off the gas there. So Iowa, they still have a lot to prove, in my opinion. Can that offense actually put up, what's the magic number, 20 to 25 points a game that they've set um, for the young fans? So if they can start hitting that number, I think you can start to see an Iowa team creeping to that top 25. Here's the thing about Iowa. Their perception is their offense is absolutely terrible, solid defense. So if they can start to put, uh, you know, some points up on the board, I think they can grab a couple of eyeballs from the voters there. For sure. And I, I'll tell you what, what I was most impressed with with that Iowa offense, and I think this kind of went underlooked because I haven't seen many people talk about it, but I was actually really impressed with their offensive line. That offensive line was young and inexperienced last year, and they really didn't have, you know, a whole lot of guys to to really do all that many great things. And you saw it. I mean, they, they got beat on the line most games. And on, on on Saturday, you saw a team that looked like they were determined the offensive line was ready to go and they were going to take care of business. Now, granted, Again, it's Utah State, so this isn't, you know, the best team in the world. However, it is nice to see Iowa, their offensive line, not struggle with an inferior opponent and actually get things done because in years past, we have seen that happen. You know, we saw South Dakota last year. That was a difficult game for them, and it, it, it showed that their offensive line and their offense as a whole just wasn't all that great. So, Spartan Dog, are, are there other, any other teams in the Big Ten and I know this one's a little bit off, but is there any other teams in the Big Ten that maybe should have just deserved at least one vote? I mean, I, you know, for me, I'm looking at Maryland and saying, yes, they had a, they had a, you know, an easy team, but they looked pretty good. And Tulia Tongavailoa, I, I think I might be saying his brother's name, uh, Talia, Talia Tongavailoa, uh, he looked, he looked really good too, and he looks like he's healthy. I mean, Spartan Dog, do you think there are any Big Ten teams that at least deserve a vote or two? Uh, I've been fooled by Maryland September once. I'm not going to get fooled by Maryland in September again. 
Uh, once the calendar once the calendar hits October and they continue to keep up these performances, then maybe I can maybe I can get on board. But you know they played an FCS opponent at home. Um, they did what they should have done. I don't really see um, any other team that deserved to vote. I mean, frankly, I know Toledo's like one of the top teams in the MAC right now, but I'm not really sure Illinois even deserved to vote for for what ha- for for their performance on Saturday. Um, yeah, I don't. I can't see another Big Ten team earning a vote based on their performance. They should have just. They should have just beat them by 24 points, right, Spartan Dog? That's what you do to MAC teams. Yeah, you beat MAC teams by you know you <laughs> you go out and crap all over yourselves for a half, and then you pull yourself together. Uh, you treat yourself like that lady on that Delta flight to Barcelona, and then you come out of the locker room at halftime, <laughs> pedal to the metal. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I, uh, I Mel Tucker was trending there for a while in the first half, and I thought to myself, oh, no, how's this going to go? But he pulled, <laughs> he pulled away. He was fine. He made it work. So I'll tell you, I am I am impressed with Nathan Carter, though. He's not saying he's Kenneth Walker, but Nathan Carter – could be a, a very big bright spot for the for the Spartans this year. So, all right, we will move on to our last topic. We had some big storylines from just the Big Ten in the week one, and we asked ourselves, what are the most impactful storylines? You know, just for example, Drew Aller, huge performance, you know, really showed his mobility and being able to throw on the run, some spectacular throws. Marvin Harrison Jr., a little disappointing. People are questioning, is he really the best wide receiver in college football? if he was covered up by an IU corner the entire game and safety help really covered him that well. Uh, We have Phil Longo's running game. You know, wow, is Phil Longo going to support two really good backs this year? And could that be what leads them to the championship in the Big Ten West? Jonah, your thoughts. What are the most impactful big storylines from the Big Ten in week one? I would say Penn State right now. I thought Penn State on offense looked really good. Um, the one thing that you have to worry about, about about Penn State is they're a little small up front at the defensive tackle position. For a little bit of, during that West uh, West Virginia game, West Virginia offensive line, they were getting the best of Penn State early on running the football. But you look at that three-horse race in the Big Ten East, it's going to be an absolute battle. Um, those games are going to probably decide who gets into the playoffs. You look at Ohio State schedule, they have a track game, I think, up in uh, Wisconsin right after the Penn State game. Ohio State and Penn State historically have been a very hard-hitting game. Both teams really lay it out on the field. For Ohio State have to get back up and go to Wisconsin, Lou Fickle will have those boys ready to play. Uh, that rushing attack at Wisconsin, it is absolutely filthy. Michigan, when you look at Michigan, I think Michigan, you can make an argument that Michigan – could be the number one team in the country. Um, everybody's going to look at Georgia. Obviously, Georgia is extremely talented. Um, Kirby Smart just reloads their quarterback. He's looking like he's going to be another dynamic type of player. But when you look at what Michigan brings back, you can make a legitimate argument. That's the number one team in college football. Once Jim Harbaugh gets back, will they start clicking on all cylinders? They won against ECU pretty handily, but if you watch that game, he's like, ah. You know, it, it left a little little taste in your mouth to said you can see a little bit more from Michigan here. So I just think that three-horse race in the Big Ten East, that is going to be a national storyline that's going to uh, be – it's going to generate a lot of eyeballs as we go out 
go through the season because you can see a situation where you have three 10 win teams in that division and how that, how it plays out on the field, I think it's going to be contingent on how Ohio State's quarterbacks settle in. Because right now, if you look at the pecking order, Ohio State's clearly third when it comes to the uh, quarterback play. If they can get Kyle McCord playing at a higher level, then right now it's going to be an absolute war once those teams see the field. Yeah, that's that's going to be a crazy battle there at the top of the Big Ten East. And honestly, you know, if we're if we're really talking about it, the best top heavy Big Ten or the best top heavy division in college football. Now there's not that many divisions left, but you know, hey, at least take the title while you can. Yeah. Spartan Dog, what's your thought here about the Week One storylines and how impactful they are? Uh, well, first thing first, uh, my Drew Aller stock is already paying dividends, so that's that's great news for me. You put some uh, bets on that. Yeah, you know, I I may have I may have sprinkled a little a, a couple a couple schmeckles here and there. Uh, you know, it's a three horse race in the Big Ten East, um, and I think I don't know who published the blog on Big Banter Sports, but uh, Michigan, I, they're too cringe. Like, there's just so much cringe. Like the free Harbaugh shit and J.J. McCarthy crying about how he just wants his coach back, like his parents are getting divorced. It's like, come on, man. Like, can we like, can we have a little decency here, right? And I know people clown Kirby in Georgia for like the no one believes in us. Like they all did. We're getting disrespected. Like that's normal coach stuff. But like this, like holding up a four. Like, it's a self-imposed suspension, guys. Like, they didn't have to sus- – like, he didn't have to be suspended. They could have been like, all right, NCAA, do whatever you're going to do. So, I don't – it's so just like that That level – my friend Big Sav put it put it well. This level of cringe will not be rewarded on Tuesday, one way or the other. Um, but, yeah, I think the storyline to look out for is Iowa. Uh, Brian Ferentz needs to score 25 points a game. He scored 24. So it's not great to start behind the eight ball. Came out firing, immediately took his foot off the gas after two quick touchdowns. You know, these non-conference games are where you need to run up the score because once you start getting into that, into the Big Ten play, you know, you're not going to be able to put up 30, 35, 40 points. So you're kind of starting off on the wrong foot by even starting under your laughably low average of 25. Yeah, I uh, I forget who it was that said it. I want to give proper uh, uh, you know uh, credit to who said it. Actually, it might have been Dave Biddle from Bucknuts, but uh, saying that you know, hey Phil Parker, come on, help Brian Ferentz out a little bit. You didn't even get a <laughs> a defensive touchdown that game, you know, like right. <laughs> he did his twenty four. You know, give him at least one, help him out. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I I agree, Spartan Dog. I think Iowa is going to be very interesting this season and with all the drama coming out about Cade McNamara and JJ McCarthy and him ghosting him and all that stuff. Uh, I don't know. Have you guys heard about that drama very much? I heard a little bit about it. Uh, yeah. I really didn't dig in deep into it. I heard a bunch of Michigan fans crying about how Cade wasn't a good teammate, but I really didn't, you know, sit down and go over what's actually happened up there because it's, you know, rehash drama now that he's at Iowa. Yeah, it reminds me back to the Ryan Tannehill situation when the Titans drafted a rookie quarterback. Was it Malik 
Willis, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they drafted a rookie quarterback and they're like, hey, you're going to train this guy to take over for you. And Ryan Tannehill's like, no, I'm not. I, <laughs> yeah. This is my job. I would like to keep my job. I make millions of dollars. Please don't replace me. You know, and so I, I get why Michigan fans are upset about that. I get, you know, them thinking, hey, you want to be a team player and do what's best for the team. But at the same time, I get where Cade's coming from, too. It's like, you know, no, I, I want to be the starter. And, you know, maybe it's a little selfish. And I guess that's for the Michigan fans to decide. They probably know more about the situation than I do. But it's, uh, it's very interesting. There's a lot of storylines from Free Harbaugh to Drew Aller to Iowa's, you know, 25 points a game. It's going to be a very interesting season, and we'll see what happens. So, all right, guys. Well, that's all I have planned for the episode. You guys have any final thoughts or anything? I do not. Thanks for having us. Awesome, for sure. And if you guys don't remember, you can find Jonah at jbook37, right, on Twitter? That's correct. Yep, jbook37 on Twitter. He's on Bucknuts every Friday, Bucknuts, B-U-C-K-N-U-T-S. And then you can find Spartan Dog at SpartanDog97, and he runs the Bacon Wire podcast episodes every Thursday, wherever podcasts are found. And you can find all of our information for the episode for our podcast at Big Banter Sports, BigBanterSports.com website social media you can find all of your things there tomorrow we will have another episode tomorrow we will have a michigan fan on our first michigan fan on they've been a little hard to track down i don't know if it's just because i am a buckeye and they don't like me i have no idea but our first michigan fan will be on josh from blue by 90 will be on with us and the josh and jd show and then sunny from our ally and i podcast will be here to break down some games before the week and we'll have a great time doing that so thanks to jonah thanks to spartan dog for coming on appreciate you guys have a good day